Welcome to the HR Uprising Podcast. This podcast series explores HR hot topics and challenges through conversations with relevant experts and real-life HR, learning, and OD professionals. The HR Uprising is about learning through collaboration and evidence-based action. We want colleagues to have the confidence and skills to rise up through their organizations by delivering real, lasting business value. Now, introducing your host, chartered psychologist, experienced change agent, entrepreneur, speaker, and coach, Lucinda Carney. Hello and welcome everybody to the very special 50th episode of the EHR Uprising. Wow, I can hardly believe it. That means we've been going for nearly a year. 50 episodes, that seems quite crazy actually, doesn't it? Now, I had intended to have a a golden anniversary episode and have a special guest on. However, social distancing didn't quite enable that and it just didn't feel right because my sense is at the moment, I want to produce as much quality content that is highly, highly relevant to my audience. And I felt that something more general wasn't going to be relevant. Every single week, I feel like things have moved on over the last 10 days even. So the episode we did two weeks ago, which is still really popular about managing productivity and effective homeworking, it is really relevant for people setting up homeworking and how to manage remote workers. But there are new nuances. As we're into our second and third week of homeworking, there are different stresses and strains. And it's almost gone now from where managers might feel like they're communicating too much. Can we have too much Zoom, too much virtual communication? And I have thoughts on that. And I will work on that as a topic, because I think it may be something that needs to evolve with people. So thank you so much for everyone who's still listening. And I really want to recognise the stresses and strains. HR are those literally unsung key workers in many, many industries. I saw someone who's, you know, followed thousands of people. It's really been a real pressure, yet at least hopefully the activities that you're going through have been put in place, that jobs are safe. And maybe now we can think about recovering, recharging and coming back stronger when all of this is over and it will one day be over. So the topic I really wanted to look at today, and this also links with the fact that, would you know it, it's actually National Stress Awareness Month in April. How how appropriate. So I thought we'd look at how can we manage our productivity without increasing stress. The episode is really about what can we do um, in difficult circumstances where we may be feeling stress. And I know I've done stress and resilience in a general tone a couple of weeks ago with Charlie Hodgson. This is very much about the stresses and strains of managing this current situation as a manager and particularly an HR manager. The way I wanted to look at this is I've broken it down really into what causes stress. I've looked at three areas of it. And then as ever, I've just tried to come up with some practical ways in which we can get through this. We can manage and limit our stress and we can be stronger in future and support others. So I've looked at the causes of stress and obviously there are many, but I've come up with three causes, if you like, that I believe are are blanket summary, I guess, ways in which we can encapsulate them. And they're particularly relevant to what's going through at the moment. So first one is actually a sense of anxiety, feeling anxious about things on an ongoing basis. It is related to lack of control, which is something I talk about a lot Uh, But some of us also have a natural tendency to feel a bit anxious. It might be related to our personality. We may 
accuse ourselves of overthinking things. We might be someone who's known as being a worrier and we might be someone who's always thinking about the future and what could happen. Those sort of behaviours can be really tricky in this environment. And if you have got a tendency to that, that can make us feel almost like we're having a tendency to catastrophize um, things, thinking about the worst. And actually, if we have this natural way of thinking, this is definitely an opportunity to start to manage that because there are plenty of things which are real to make us anxious at the moment. So the last thing we need to do is be being anxious about things that we can't control or are really miles away. And it's trying to control our focus. And I'll talk more about how we can manage anxiety. So if we're having that sense of anxiety and it would be completely understandable at the moment, that's one area I want to look at. The second area that I think is really relevant to um, HR at the moment, and I'm describing it as value clashes. And I think that's where you might be somebody who actually considers yourself to be very, very personable, great deal of empathy for others, but you're having to make really difficult decisions. You might even be being put in a position where you're being asked to do things that you feel are illegal or morally wrong. So there's lots of pressure being put upon you, like we talked about in last week's podcast about maybe people asking to be furloughed who aren't eligible, or you're having to give people answers that they don't want to hear They'd like to be furloughed, but they're only eligible for statutory sick pay. And these are really difficult conflicts that even if you've got the hugest amount of empathy, your role is to take the tough, factual and legal line. And you may feel like it's a messenger or you're the messenger that's continually being shot, particularly if there's information out there in the media that's inaccurate. So that's going to cause stress. And then the third one is this sustained lack of control. So you can't control where you're working at the moment, who you're working with, um, and you can't see if you're managing others or control the work of colleagues. So all of these give us a sense of lack of control. And that is definitely something which is well known to create a sense of stress. So what are we going to do about these things? Because fundamentally, we can't be productive if we feel stressed. It means that we are constantly activating our fight or flight response with stress hormones like adrenaline and cortisol rushing through our bodies and the likelihood is we're going to end up hitting an exhausted negative downward spiral. There's no time to talk, no time to recharge with family and friends. We don't feel we've got the time or energy for exercise and it results in excess drinking, eating and poor sleep. Of course this then impacts our physical resilience, makes us more likely to succumb to illness which is also counterproductive. So what can we do? So in terms of anxiety, I've got four suggestions here that we can do which are in our control. So if we're feeling anxious, the first thing is about deep breathing. And I have to say, I have to practice this myself and I need to do, I'm going to take some of my own medicine and make myself do this. I don't particularly suffer from anxiety, but I don't stop and recharge. I recently had somebody do a sort of ambulatory monitoring, a heart rate monitoring, said my entire 24-hour period where I wasn't recharging and Simple deep breathing is something that you can do that. It means you're continually putting your brain, your, your heart under stress and you need to take a moment to stop. I've got a close family um, relative who just recently had um, epileptic episodes. She'd not had them for 15, 20 years. And again, she was waking up feeling anxious. There's so much out there for people to feel anxious and it has physical impacts. A really straightforward way of doing this is to take a moment to take five deep breaths in and out. So it's actually, and I say by deep breaths, it's going right down into your stomach. So I'm going to do one now. 
So taking that deep breath in and then a really long extended breath out. And there's a yoga um, breathing method, which is where if you try to breathe out for slightly longer than you than you think you can, and the same in terms of breathing in and then hold it in for slightly longer. Some people talk about it as like you visualize a square. So you breathe in as you go up one side of the square, breathe in a little bit more just to get as you go along the top, breathe out as you go down to the right of the square, and then push it out a bit longer as you go along the bottom. And what we say is actually make time to do that. I'm going to set myself a reminder and say, take those five deep breaths. It takes you a couple of minutes and it just allows you to reset and maybe just calm everything down in terms of those hormones. It sounds really basic, but it's really, really important. So hopefully you've practiced that with me. That's I'm going to try and do that as well. My second point is about people who have a tendency to overthink things. And if you find yourself worrying, this is about literally having a word with yourself. It's that self-talk that's in your head. And what I say is just try very hard to focus on today. You tell yourself, actually, I'm going to cross that bridge when it happens, or I'll worry about it tomorrow. The sort of adages that we heard from our grandmothers, that day may never come. So when you're finding that you're worrying about something, have a word with yourself, say, actually, that's not here and now. I'm focusing on the here and now. I'll park that and worry about it tomorrow. If you're really struggling, one thing you can do is almost have a worry journal and write these things down, write them in a notebook, then shut it and put it on a shelf hidden away. So it's metaphorically, you've put it to one side. You could also write it on a piece of paper, fold it up and put it in a jar. Again, you're just storing those concerns for another day and it almost allows your subconscious to let go of them. So that's what I say if you're having these worries in terms of the future type things. A third one is gratitude. And I know these might sound a bit new agey, but actually there's quite a lot of evidence that people who are able to be gratitude and feel grateful regularly are much healthier from a mental health point of view. And there are also physical health um, benefits as well. So it's a great practice to wake up first thing in the morning and think about five things that are good in your life and the same at the end of the day. So whatever's going on, there are things that, that life is positive. There are things to be grateful for always. Whatever situation, there's always someone in a worse position than us. I mean, a really awful example that I'm just making me think at the moment is I just think about coronavirus spreading in refugee camps. That is one of the most dreadful things to think of. And most of the people who listen to this podcast, you know, they have a roof over their head. Well, I hope everyone has a roof over their head. They have health to a great degree. They have food. They have a working environment, which may be really thrown up in the air at the moment, but they they have a profession and they have a network of people. So there's things always to be grateful for. What we have to do is try and remember those simple things, be grateful for what we can. And then the first fourth way of um, managing anxiety or actually anything that's feeling a bit negative about is something called reframing. So this is a really good practice. It links to um, NLP, it's a term I came across in neuro-linguistic programming years and years ago. Um, and I've got a podcast that will come out in a few months on that, uh, a few weeks actually, with a lady called Fran, which is a great podcast. It's in the camp, but I'm waiting for the right time to bring it out. And reframing is something about uh, challenging yourself to look at the, the situation in a different way, to so reframe the way you're looking at it. So we can look at circumstances years and years ago, 20 odd years ago, 25 years ago, um, I was a door-to-door salesperson selling aerial photos. Now that was a hard job. 
And um, we were not allowed to, when we phoned our managers, to use the term um, problem. I've got a problem. You had to call it an opportunity for growth. So any problem had to be framed as an opportunity for growth. In fact, I remember phoning the sales manager and having to come up with the opportunity of growth, which was provided by me writing off my car, age 20. So there is always a good upside to things. I mean, the upside was I was unharmed. Maybe I'd get a better car. I can't remember what particular positive I managed to spin on it. Um, but, you know, there are ways in which we can reframe situations. I heard one recently in uh, relation to the coronavirus where there was a GP who was suffering from it. She would had quite a bad dose of it. But she was saying she could not wait because once she recovered, she would have a high degree of immunity. So she'd be able to go in and support those other frontline staff without the fear of coming down with the virus. She'd be able to help her colleagues. So the advantage of someone having and recovering from COVID-19 means that they're highly unlikely to come down with it imminently. So that's a real positive. We all know, you know, in normal times where redundancy could be a major upside for somebody. Do you know what? Furloughing people could be brilliant for some people where they can stay at home and look after family. They can opportunity, they've got opportunities for development. Many, many changes that are forced upon us have a silver lining. The key is looking at what that silver lining could be. What are the possibilities in any situation? And the people who are resilient are the ones that spot the possibilities and look for those. So those were my four um, go-tos if you feel anxious about things. So just in terms of anxiety, in there I said about taking deep breaths. We said... Um, about managing to just be in the moment, be today, be uh, present today and just park things for tomorrow. Gratitude, consider the things that are good in your life. And then finally, reframing problems, looking for that silver lining. So the second um, aspect that's happening for people is what I've called values clashes, which is doing those really difficult things. So for me, what I thought is looking at how you can control things. If you're having to lay people off, if you're having to furlough people, if you're having to have difficult conversations with people about um, statutory sick, etc. So it's about being aware of the fact that there is a natural clash between logical, factual decision making and values, empathy based decisions. In reality, There are people out there who have preferences for one or the other and will find certain types of decision making more difficult than the other. As an HR professional, we have to choose logical decision making first and foremost because it's about protecting our business and the employee and it's about following the law. This isn't a choice, it's about being professional. However, we do have a choice in how we fulfil something and we have the ability to demonstrate Um, changes or communicate things with empathy and support. So we can always be human in how we demonstrate or do our duty. The way in which I say is one of the ways which we do it is by doing it well, by communicating well, trying to uh, communicate with a personal style, whether it's a personal letter from the CEO, showing empathy, sending information to people. I've seen people who have actually been um, sending out webinars and support to people who are furloughed so they still feel part of things and can work on self-development. Can you engage people like mental first aid, the mental health first aiders that you might have in your teams or your training department to start putting on some webinars or development? They feel useful, um, but they could actually provide people with support. So think about how you can keep people engaged and 
Uh, and it's about how we demonstrate what we're doing. You can always do difficult. It's the way in which you deliver difficult news. It's how you do it. The other thing I'd say is recognise yourself and others for doing the best you can. If you are doing the most difficult and let's face it, there are new laws coming out as we go. There are challenges that there is no rule book for and the rules are being are evolving as we go along. If you are doing things with integrity, you're being honest and consistent, then just recognise yourself, give yourself and others a pat on the back for doing the most challenging activities in extremely difficult circumstances. If no one's telling you that you're doing a great job, then do it yourself. Tell yourself, I'm telling you, you're doing a great job. All right, hear that, feel proud and tell other people who are doing a great job. There's so many unsung heroes during this crisis and HR are high up on the list, in my opinion, along with hospital cleaners, uh, dustbin people, uh, collectors and you know shopkeepers. So many people who are doing an amazing job keeping things going. Call centre operators. It's really tough. And then my fourth area is stay connected. Make sure you're not shutting people off. Now is the time to connect and build relationships with peers inside and outside of your organisation. There's lots of opportunity to draw on your professional network and support other people. If you're not already part of our LinkedIn HR Uprising community, then now's the time to get involved and communicate and talk on it, um, ask questions, support others. Let's get a little bit of interaction going rather than it just being more of a sedate area or repository for information. We are going to roll out some free Zoom coaching calls to provide support and collaboration. I got the idea from Rhiannon, who's the future podcast guest. She's doing it on one of the other networks. I thought it was a great opportunity to pull our HR uprising community together. So do connect on that. And if you're interested in taking part in some Zoom coaching calls, then I'll be setting those up over the next few weeks. So look at the show notes and you'll always be able to access it. I can't remember the LinkedIn group off the top of my head, but the links are on the show notes and just go to hruprising.com and all of the links are there. So that was my area about almost looking at things from a professional point of view from your values clashes. If you're feeling you're having a difficult time and doing a difficult job at the moment, you know what you are, but you're doing your job. It's not a choice. How you do it is in your control. So showing empathy and communicating it well is absolutely in your control. Tell yourself you're doing a great job and stay connected with peers. Those are my four tips on that area. And then on to our third one, which is controlling what you can control. And this is honestly one of the most important ways of managing stress. Just focus on what you can control. I saw somebody uh, who was a, a psychologist say that, said, even if it involves just controlling the hell out of your sock drawer, do that, whatever gives you that sense of control. So I've got um, just three thoughts along this, which I believe it takes us into where we start to become more productive. And I'll do more on management productivity on a separate uh, webinar. So first of all, identify what it is in any situation, however small, that you can control and focus on that. You might not be able to control that you've had to put a thousand people on furlough or at risk, but what you can control is how you do it. All right. And that's similar to the point we made earlier. So whether you're giving support um, webinars, whether you're giving a message from the CEO, think about those things, about how you do it. You can always control. The other things to think about are your routine. You can control your routine. You might not be able to control the fact you're working from home, but you can control what time you get up in the morning, uh, whether you have a shower and get dressed, whether you exercise and what you eat. 
you could make this your time to drink three litres of water a day and, you know, feel so amazingly hydrated and well to think. That is completely within your control. So focus on those things that you can control and absolutely do those religiously to give yourself that sense of structure. Really, it sounds so obvious, but it's really actually key. Then moving on from that, you can also control your diary and your plan or your priorities. So my second point here is take control, plan and prioritise. This is about us moving out of reactivity. Um, And those of you heard me talk about um, Covey's matrix, time management matrix, lots of people are stuck in quadrant one at the moment in urgent and importance. But there are people who could be working on quadrant two. So once the reactivity is over, think about priorities that fit within your job role, but you normally never have time to deliver. It might be updating the company handbook and policies, but you know what? I'd like to challenge you to think bigger than that. Anything with strategy in it tends to be quadrant two. Could you work on a new organisational development strategy? And we have heaps of content on this if you don't know how to do that, whether you look back on our previous podcasts on building an OD strategy, um, talent management strategy, how to do an HR balance scorecard. This is a brilliant opportunity for you to think about how could we use this to restructure our organisation, for example. Maybe you could make homeworking more of a norm and it's about setting people up better for it and giving them the right skills. This could save your business huge amounts of money. You could, um, and, and in terms of office space, If you were doing this as part of your OD or HR strategy, what would you do to make this a reality? How would you develop people? What sort of structures? What sort of systems might you need to be able to put the right control mechanisms in around it? Great idea to have that thinking about the future. Could you actually put your business in a stronger position in three months time by using this time wisely than it is now? So if you've had a system, you've been ready to embed or, I don't know, a new set of management principles or you wanted to do role profiling or some sort of planning activity, it's a big meaty activity, you could do that, build a competency framework. Now might be the time to do it. Why not? So you could roll out 360 feedback and develop all of your leaders um, in terms of their leadership profile and do online um, coaching with them. A really great opportunity to do some of these things that actually get lost within business as usual. They're all captive. It would be perfectly easy to get um, a Zoom meeting for every single leader in your organisation and give them the feedback. You can pin people down to get them to deliver the feedback. In fact, the more I think about it, that's a great idea. So, you know, think about these things. We can actually help you with any of those if you don't have those systems in place and you'd like to do it. So get in touch if you would. But the purpose of this is just thinking about those value add things. This is a great time to do those behavioural change aspects of your role or support those that maybe wouldn't normally happen. So I think think bigger than the um, handbooks. It'd be great to get those jobs done because they're a bit tedious, but think bigger, think strategic. And then my third point is, can you be a leader and role model and can you make sure that your line managers are managing people effectively virtually? And I alluded to this earlier and I think it's an entirely extra topic. I can't go into it in too much detail on this one. But as I said earlier, I do think that almost things have evolved when the managers are going, okay, all of a sudden, this is really time consuming, this managing people. And it's quite funny because I think 
there is a time-consuming aspect to us getting on Zoom meetings all the time. And we're used to, when we homework, being able to just get on in, in quiet. But there is a bigger question here. I'm hearing line managers complain that they're not getting their day jobs done because they've got so many meetings, so many Zoom meetings, online meetings. And it is interesting we've got here so quickly. But that's interesting, isn't it? But weren't you supposed to be managing people previously? Now, I've always had this um, conversation when I've been running line manager training that very often line managers say, I haven't got time to do people management. Well, maybe this is the opportunity to help them gain clarity about the fact that if you are a line manager, people management is actually one of your priorities. I spoke to a colleague yesterday and he said, well, the problem is then how do they get their own day job done? And line management should be part of your day job, not separate from your day job. And my argument would be that we should be getting work done through our people and we should be helping them to prioritise. You know, the classic is that when we're in an office, it's very easy for line managers to say, oh, I talk to my people all the time, so they don't need a one-to-one. But all of a sudden, we've moved away that office and they realise that they don't know whether their staff are being productive. Their staff don't know what their priorities are. And that's because they were either spoon-feeding them or they were sort of pretending it was almost a task culture um, which then results in maybe micromanagement. And we don't have time to micromanage remotely. We really don't. That would take too long. But I just believe that managers need to understand that whether remote or in the office, they need to help their staff understand their overall priorities and how they fit within to their overall job role and business goals. Yes, this is smart objectives. Absolutely. When you're remote, it's smart objectives. And then we need to help them to chunk those deliverables down into milestones or routine KPIs. When people have those, unless they are incredibly junior and young, we shouldn't have to micromanage task by task. And individuals should be able to crack on with those and you should be able to check in once or twice a week or more often if they need your input and they will be progressing priorities. So the purpose is it's about showing people the direction in which they need to go, documenting it using systems if you've got them. This is the time absolutely to use your performance management system appropriately and send them in the right direction and then just check the milestones along the way. It's not about telling them each step of the way. It's about supporting them and and allowing them to do their jobs. Now, as I say, task by task micromanagement, if you've got managers who are complaining of that, that tells me that in reality, they are either in the workplace completely abdicating responsibility. So they don't know what to do when they can't see people are doing it. They may have low trust, um, which isn't engaging for people. Um, or they're very dictatorial. To me, that tells me that they need some management development. And that would feed into something else that, again, depends whether you're an L&D person or an HR person. But could you educate your managers around expectations? Is this an opportunity to push out that management charter? We used one of these really successfully 20 odd years ago in terms of helping managers realise that part of their job is managing people and what a line manager should do. Maybe you have a virtual line management charter and they realise that part of their job, a key objective for a line manager is doing these things. So help these people to realise that actually a key priority is people management. And I'd say it's realistic to expect 20 or 30% of our time doing this. It's not to do with being remote. It's because it wasn't being done previously. There was an issue uh, in the fact that the people management wasn't being done well. 
And if you are, if you've got this L&D department, or maybe this is your remit, maybe you can issue something like a management charter, help these managers identify the fact that people management is part of their role and is a valid part of spending their time. That doesn't mean we can't be more effective on web meetings or, you know, it doesn't have to take, it shouldn't be taking 80% of our time. But the responsibilities that we have as an individual contributor should be done in the other 70% of the time or delegated and achieved by others. So that's quite something quite old fashioned, I feel, about these circumstances. It's almost forcing managers to be less transactional and more human. And I think that's actually a really good thing. We need to be empathic. Uh, we need to understand our people as people first and give them clarity of what's expected, then get out of their way to allow them to perform. I had a few other thoughts that if I was an internal L&D in my old role when I was head of L&D, I would, we're doing webinars, by the way, now for people, but I would put on webinars, internal webinars for my managers on things like prioritisation, um, setting goals, situational leadership, helping them be more flexible in their leadership style, coaching and delegation. I think this is a great opportunity to upskill the people managers in an organisation because they will hold the key to your business getting back on its feet quickly and being productive for the long haul. Also, if they do a good job, then your people will feel loyal and valued, which of course is equally going to be very, very important when the recruitment market bounces back. So those are thoughts that I had and that sort of evolved through to being effective there. So controlling what you can control as we move out of reactivity, I'm saying actually, first of all, think about, you know, in the difficult circumstances, in your quadrant one, where it's urgent and important, focus on what you can control, do it well. Then start thinking longer term, quadrant two in Covey's time management matrix, which is important, but not urgent. There is the opportunity to do those things once we move beyond this. So think about strategies. How could you end up in a better position? And then going from forward from that, how can you lead better people management practice in your business? Uh, make sure that managers are managing effectively virtually. Make sure they're taking up um, developmental training opportunities that you can provide. It will make a huge difference. So I really hope that those are useful and practical and timely because I'm trying to give you content that's relevant right now. And so I really hope that that might be relevant to you. There's loads and loads of links that it might be worth you taking advantage of. There is a podcast that I've done previously, which was all about prioritising your well-being. I'm going to signpost that at the bottom of this in case you missed it. It was one I did about three months ago. And there's a, a, a worksheet that you can use, which talks about the Covey's Matrix I've referred to and prioritising your own well-being. So there's a link to that podcast on the HR Uprising page. So you can find that easily. Really suggest that now is the time to network and talk with others, both in your organisation and externally. If you're part of the HR Uprising LinkedIn group, then get engaged, talk to us and take part in the Zoom coaching that we're going to do. If you want webinars and you haven't got the resource to do them internally, then look for our webinars. The webinar link that we're running through Access, we are running three, four webinars a week now and look out for those. Many of them are open to anybody. Uh, so line managers, so you could just feed them out your line managers. And actually, if you think it would be useful for us as actors to run um, 
you know, some of those courses I've talked about, whether it's a situational leadership one, a goal setting webinars, then I can put those webinars on. So do get in touch with me if you think there are specific webinars that would be of value and of interest. Um, and then we'll look to put them out on and push them out. So they'll support managers in developing them over these coming, hopefully days, maybe that's not realistic, but over these coming weeks. And then one final request for you, if you don't mind, if you've not linked in with me, please do. Um, Lucinda Carney on LinkedIn uh, or through other social media. I'd really be grateful if you did. Uh, Actually, uh, and the reason I'm asking that is that I have a book launch. I'm launching a book on the 21st of May called How to Be a Change Superhero. I don't think it would actually be the Bible for dealing with the coronavirus pandemic because that was a little bit extreme for change. It's looking at more traditional organisational change, but there definitely are aspects of it which will be highly relevant Uh, My normal way of uh, launching it is probably not going to be a big book launch in London because I suspect social distancing will still be going on. But I'm going to look at whether I can do some sort of virtual launch. So if you're interested in knowing more about that and you'd be kind enough to help me spread the word when I try and push it out um, on social media and it's when it's coming, then I'd be really, really grateful for you um, linking in and joining in that way. So in the meantime, you know, remember... We work together, collaborate together, we rise up together and um, credit to everybody that's dealing with everything in tricky situations. I hope you found this a helpful podcast. Please do um, leave us a review if you find it helpful and get in touch if you want to hear specific other topics that would support you at this time. Many thanks. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising podcast. You can access more information, including resources or links mentioned in the show at our website, www.hruprising.com. Also, you might want to join our LinkedIn community or tweet to us at HR Uprising. We'd love to hear from you.